Hi, welcome to the Next Education Workforce, a podcast on redesigning education for learners and educators. I'm Brent Madden, Executive Director of Next Education Workforce at Arizona State University's Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College. What do I mean by Next Education Workforce? If you haven't already done so, listen to our first episode to learn more about our work. I'm so excited to be joined today by Dr. Brooke Stafford Brizard, Vice President for Research and Practice, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, and really someone who's just so passionate about whole child learning. Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today. It's good to have you here. It's good to be with you, Brent. Thank you. We're going to talk about a few uh, few topics that are likely to come up in this convening in January. I want to start with this question of outcomes for kids. For the longest time, we've uh, we've thought about measuring things that are relatively easy to measure, reading and mathematics uh, in particular. And there are all sorts of good reasons, I think, to do that. And I think that we're at this moment to be thinking about a much broader set of outcomes for students. And I'd love to just get your thoughts on this idea of broader outcomes and what are some of the dangers that may also come with the idea of measuring stuff that's not just reading and math. Our vision for education is around a broader definition of success. When I frame this, I often ask people, when we think about whole child development and we think about ourselves, what do you attribute your success to in your current space, whether it's professional or personal? What drives that success? Oftentimes, the answers will be uh, not just the the academic capacities that, that brought individuals there, but I often hear curiosity or emotional intelligence or flexibility. These are skills that matter for our success in our professional and personal lives through our adulthood. And so we should be focusing on them if we're thinking about education as whole development. When I think about the dangers around that, we have to think about the developmental path toward these types of outcomes and the context that that creates them. And so when we think about measuring them, we often think about going further upstream. So not jumping to student level outcomes, but what are the contexts that actually create you know, the supportive environment to foster the development of these skills. For example, executive function, that ability to kind of manage time and task happens through an environment that is consistent and predictable for young children. How can we measure that environment so we get to those student level outcomes? So when you think about what CZI and the partners with whom you're lucky enough to work are doing, what are you seeing in the policy context that's both supporting the sort of work and changes that you just described and those that might be posing as hurdles. There's some really exciting traction in policies connecting mental health and well-being to schools and districts. And so recognizing this is a critical component of both student and adult development is very exciting. And to see that those policies could be connected to resources that are evidence-based, locally and culturally relevant for students and adults gives us an opportunity to build that kind of vision for whole child development in districts and, and schools. When we look at ESSA, for example, in that fifth indicator, many states chose culture climate as a measure. And I think that's also a really powerful indicator that we understand that context around students, the relationships around them, the sense of belonging and safety, both physical and emotional, is critical. And so recognizing that context in many of our states is, I think, a really powerful one. 
How might we start to think differently about leveraging or empowering maybe educators to both address and monitor issues of equity for all learners? What, what are the advantages of groups of people and a broader set of outcome working together on behalf of equity for all learners? When you think about uh, the broader set of outcomes that are not just important in the summative sense, right? We know all these, th- these things matter for success in adulthood. But when we think about non-academic skills and conditions being critical foundations for learning, that's when we can really start to see the benefits of focusing on some whole child constructs as it relates to equity. So for example, we know that racial ethnic identity plays a critical role in student development. And for teachers to recognize those assets and celebrate the culture and background that students come from within the learning environment plays a critical role in students' belonging, their engagement, and even the way that they can um, access uh, cognitive processes like attention and working memory. And so when we are focusing on equity within the learning environment, thinking about students as whole individuals is critical. That's great. You have particular influence over teacher prep programs or leadership prep programs generally. If you could flick your magic wand and make some changes or adjustments to either teacher prep or leadership prep or both, what might you do given what you're learning and seeing in the field? I think I'd I'd flick the magic wand in, in two ways. One is bringing a stronger lens on human development to teacher preparation. I went to uh, graduate school focused on human development within an education school, but it wasn't necessarily where I saw a lot of individuals on the teacher preparation path. And so learning all the foundations of child and adolescent development in the cognitive sciences and developmental psychology was something that I really wish I knew as a middle school teacher. We learn more every day from these fields of human development, not just the cognitive sciences, but the sciences of context, sociology, and public health. And so I'd love to see just more integration of those different programs within universities. And I'd also love us to, from the beginning of preparation, take care of teachers as whole people and think about their whole development. How will they continue to foster connection to community and their purpose? How do we help them with managing stress Um, in one of the most stressful professions there is. I'd love to see teachers with that stronger lens and and foundation in human development, but also taken care of as as whole people as well. I love this idea. And one of the things that we're grappling a lot with at the Teachers College at ASU is this this idea of both outcomes for kids, but also a new set of uh, outcomes for educators. If we wanted to, to think about like the whole educator and their Uh, health, the sustainability of this work, what might be some things that we should be paying attention to either, you know, uh, ultimate outcomes or uh, leading indicators that would suggest that this job is sustainable? What, What should we be paying attention to? First thing I pay attention to is stress and kind of indicators of whether teachers are feeling it, how they're managing it, and usually how they're managing it is in connection to community and relationships and not feeling isolated. And so, Um, measuring how well we're doing at providing that for teachers, I think is critical. I don't think that we pay nearly enough attention to essentially identity development of rookie teachers. Have you seen anyone writing or studying that that piece like this, you go from being a college student and now all of a sudden you're responsible for 30 to 150 kids, like literally overnight. Huet Senghor with Black Teacher Collaborative focuses explicitly on the racial ethnic identity development of teachers to then influence and support 
learning environments. Pilot Ed is a school and organization focused on intertwining identity development with with academic development. And they do a lot of training for adults that I believe you have to anchor in all these spaces in your own individual perspective. What would you say is the purpose of schooling for you personally? For me personally, the purpose of schooling is to support an individual to chart their path in the world, to continue to draw from the world throughout their lifetime to support that in connection to something that is is beyond the individual that connects to the broader world. And so I kind of anchor in in a framework that I developed that kind of suggests these skills of self-direction and curiosity and a sense of purpose should be core in terms of the purpose of education. And that that connects to the fields of, of profession that we engage in. But I think the opportunity to find those um, fields connected to what drives us and what we're passionate about should be what drives us in terms of how we educate students. Can you tell us a little more about the framework? I developed a a framework called the Building Blocks for Learning several years ago, and it was really driven by uh, my background in human development and recognizing the developmental process uh, of learning in the non-academic space, not just the academic space. And so if we if we recognize that higher order skills in mathematics, like calculus, rests on the, the foundation of computation and algebra, then the, the building blocks for learning framework suggests that we, we need to take the same lens to some non-academic. The cornerstone and the foundation of the framework is healthy adult attachment. And then it suggests that there are other skills and mindsets that support the development of higher order skills for students. And so, for example, drawing from Ann Mastin's uh, work and research in resilience, we recognize that resilience is built um, not just by snapping our fingers, but by recognizing that relationship and attachment is critical. Stress management, self-regulation, growth mindset, all of these things contribute um, to resilience, in addition to um, supportive contexts around us, not just our individual skills. And that's really the thrust of the framework to kind of bring a more rigorous developmental lens to the non-academic spaces that we've seen so much momentum around in the past several years. The framework has a lot of focus on how to build these learning environments for students, but not enough on the self-work. It's absolutely critical with the measurement too. Is I don't think we focus enough on the fact that speaking and listening standards are like our strongest SEL standards, right? And so the more that we can focus on not just seeing literacy as reading and writing and measuring it, and like because we measure reading mostly, like we think of reading as literacy, but um, the ability to engage in dialogue and intellectual debate and you know listen are just as important, which I think we all have the opportunity to do more of right now. One of the biggest critiques that I'm hearing of some of our work, this idea of bringing a team of educators around either an individual or groups of students, there's a worry, quite frankly, that kids will get lost, that they won't have that person. It's a little bit different. If you've got like, uh, you're a third grade teacher and you've got 25 kids in your room, there's 25 kids and one adult. Our hypothesis is is that having a team of teachers is a more sustainable way to go about this work. It's also, you know, you, you have other individuals that are bringing particular skills or expertise or different experiences to this mix. What's your thought or reaction as you hear that critique? You know, we've learned a lot about the focus on the collective and the community 
and a lot of the work we've done in, in recent years, particularly partnerships with, with Indigenous educators. It's absolutely critical that we make individual connections, but trusting in the power of, of community and that, that team is also something that's incredibly powerful. That's encouraging. Thank you. When you talk about these Indigenous communities, are there examples, concrete examples that you would point us to? We have a partnership with Nez Pierce in Idaho, working with the Idaho State Department of Education. They're bringing the focus that they've had on Indigenous education into their support for building kind of culturally relevant learning environments, recognizing that, again, centuries of wisdom within this space can have a really incredible influence on current issues and, and approaches in education and opportunities. Talk to us about what we should read or check out. You know, what's got your attention these days? I'm sure you're getting a lot of fantastic nonfiction examples. I could definitely think about a couple of those books. But as an English major and someone who's studied how we authentically build empathy, I'd encourage picking up your your favorite novel by your favorite author, because we, we know that reading fiction is one of the things that helps us authentically develop empathy when we take another perspective and point of view, when we're immersed within a narrative. This is so good. Brooke, thank you for hanging out with us a bit today and engaging this conversation. Thank you for being an expert at our convening in January. We're excited to continue the conversations there. Please keep yourself and yours safe. And thank you for sharing all that you know with us. Thank you so much, Brent. I'm really looking forward to the the event. That was Dr. Brooks Stafford-Brassard of the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, one of the featured experts at the Next Education Workforce Building the Next Normal convening. They were hosting virtually in January. You can follow her on Twitter at Stafford-Brassard, all one word, or hear more from her and about her work by joining us in January. If you want to register, you can do so at workforce.education.asu.edu where you can also learn more about our work and how you can engage with us. You can also check out the show notes for details and a link. Make sure you subscribe for more conversations with uh, other educational experts associated with this convening. We'd also love hearing your feedback. Tag us on social with hashtag NextEducationWorkforce. Thanks for listening. Be well, be safe, keep learning. Until next time.